awesome nerds and welcome to a new series of D&D and TV, uh, the podcast where we talk about television shows that we really like, uh, rewatch the episodes and, well, talk about how some of the themes and concepts and characters can be used in tabletop role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by a new guest this week, um, someone who has had no preparation whatsoever, but is going to wing it and do a really good job. Meek, say hello to our lovely listeners. Thank you for just giving that out exactly from the start. I am I so grateful. Um, this could <laughs> Let be them a be aware. I could be. It could be. This no, maybe maybe this is what do you call it when someone's like really good at pool, but they don't tell you, and then they like pool shark. Are you a podcast shark? Is this what's happening? Maybe that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so underprepared, and then bam, I come out with like all the bazingas Ooh, with my yeah. three lines of notes. Well, don't tell them that part. That's just drawing the curtain too back too far. <laughs> no, I. but I, okay, what I lack in preparation, I feel like I prepared for this for many years by watching this show many times and buying a lot of headbands. A lot of headbands. All right, well, see, here's the thing. This, this um, series will be on the first season of Gossip Girl and not the new one that's on a lot of streaming services. We're going old school back to 2007 where the good Gossip Girl was on. The good days. Yeah, I say this without having actually seen any of the new series. And to be fair, very little of the old series. <laughs> uh, I can say I have seen none of the new series because I am old now and I, if the youth like it, I don't. Um, and I don't like change. That's fair. <laughs> youth are wrong. This is uh, something that we've established on many occasions. Great, amazing. Um, but no, I genuinely, it's on my list to watch, but it's on, I just don't watch enough TV anymore. No, um, because I, I ask you to do show. stuff like this and rewatch old shows that you've seen <laughs> for years and years ago. Well, that's actually not true because you chose this show. And I would like to ask you, while everybody is listening, why do you hate me and make me do this? Why did you make me watch this show? I feel like this is a double dog dare that went too, <laughs> like, too hard. And I'm not backing out, and you haven't backed out. No, I'm not backing so out. This is a this great is idea. Happening. Hell yeah. Look, I've had to justify my love of Gossip Girl for many, many years to many, many people um, about it being a beautiful show with many layers and rich dynamic relationships. Three layers really is many, just... yes. <laughs> it's multiple. It's technically a plural. And... Yeah, I just think it's it really, you know, shaped a lot of me when I was growing up. Um, I think I then unlearned a lot of that when I became a real adult. But, you know, <laughs> there was a time where it was really helping shape my future. When I thought I, when I lived in Perth and I thought I was going to be the next New York socialite. Because mm-hmm. um, those are the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, Perth and New York, very much the same. We're very much on the same page uh, with that. No, but it's just a truly excellent... You know what? It is. It is a good... It is a made show. It is a show that has been made. <laughs> <laughs> I I am giving it a little bit too much flack. Uh, it is a good show. It's done by... Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, the geniuses. I don't use that word lightly, but I will say geniuses behind the OC, uh, who later went on to do Runaways, which I hope to talk about another time. And I believe they're connected with the, the new show as well, since this was... Well, so Gossip Girl was kind of coming off their success of the OC. It had just wrapped up. 
And during, I mean, I could go into teen drama of this period because you were still coming off Gilmore Girls, you were still coming off um, Veronica Mars, um, One Tree Hill was just kicking off, which is a show I also know too much about. But <laughs> this one, I feel actually works pretty well when it comes to tabletop role-playing games because I know I've heard of the game I'm going to mention, and I believe Meek has as well. Um, a game called Monster Hearts. Yes. Watch the Critical Role episode. Yes. And one of the things that I noticed most tellingly about when I was rewatching uh, Gossip Girl was they fit into that teen drama archetype. Those, um, what are they called in, in Monster Hearts? Um, I have to admit, I got slightly distracted after you said, said something about it coming out in 2007 and I started looking at what was in fashion back then and also the top, like, music. Because that's the other thing about Gossip Girl. It's got a banger playlist. Just absolute oh, yeah. bangers. Okay, well, this is, again, the genius of Stephanie Savage. If you watch anything that those two people produce and direct, the soundtrack will be beyond belief. It will be absolutely perfect for that moment. I mean, all right, we will get into the pilot in a moment, but the first three minutes or so have just yeah. perfect, fits that tone. It's I can't even remember the song. Um, I will try to put a clip in. East Siders, Gossip Girl here, and I have the biggest news ever. I don't actually know what song it is either. Like, I know it. There was another song actually in the pilot as well that I was like, I remember jamming to that in the clubs back in the day. Yeah, and it's a really fascinating thing because the OC was all about the indie music that they were finding, and apparently they were just able to grab whatever they wanted because the network wasn't paying attention. They just said, hey, can we put this in? And they're like, yeah, whatever, we don't care. Just yeah. sign the checks and get the rights in. So when the uh, Gossip Girl came along they were kind of trend-setting. They were finding the cool music. And it kind of became this self-fulfilling prophecy that if it was on a show like this, it was either already popular or just about to be popular because they were cutting edge. So, yeah, you would hear a lot of these in the clubs because they were contemporary. They weren't just a little instrumental piece. It wasn't the strummy-strummy la-la that you got from Gilmore Girls. No, no, this was definitely, like, actual songs that you would recognise. Well, this... This is probably around the time of Glee as well. Oh my gosh, can we do Glee instead? No. I love Glee. No. <laughs> I, have I have committed to 18 episodes of Gossip Girl. You have convinced me for 18 okay, episodes okay. of Gossip Girl. You can come back Glee, after Glee we get great. through this and we will do Glee. And we will only do the first season because that is the only no, actually, good one. I was going to say, speaking of things that you can't really touch anymore, like, because I have to admit, for, although I haven't watched the new Gossip Girl, I actually really appreciate what it's doing by, like, going through and modernising, because there is so yeah. much wrong with this show. Like, there's so oh, much I look back so and many, cringe. So much cringe. So much. So much. And Glee, right, I feel like if you're, like, uh, this is podcast on visual, but, like, if, like, the cringe factor for Gossip Girl is here, like, Glee is, like... Like, Glee is much higher. It's so bad. It's so bad. So bad. Yeah. It was a product of its time. So and it was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. 
And it's cursed. That show's cursed. Yeah. Anyway, but that's yeah. we won't. Get. That's that's for the next podcast. Does that so, mean that we can go onto a Broadway? Because does that divulge from there into no. Broadway as well? Because then we're then we're then we're in my territory. This is how I take over the podcast, Jeremy. This it is, is how I do it. Maybe for Patreon members, um, <laughs> they can get the special episodes where we do Broadway. What I was going back to was uh, Monster Hearts, yes. the the game. So characters yes. in that you don't have classes, you have skins, and they are different types of things. You can be the vampire, you can be the queen bee, you can be the mortal, you can be the the infernal, and all of these have a certain set of moves that you can do that only your type of class can do. And it's kind of exactly what you'd expect. You're all kind of a monster. And I feel, and it's all about teen drama too, that it's about organizing a party and the fact that you're a werewolf having to go to a party and maybe keep your secret and maybe there's a demon cult in the basement. You don't really know. It's just kind of annoying, but you're also trying to impress the girl you like who doesn't know you're a werewolf. It's these really cool elements for role-playing. And I just want to take all of the skins from Monster Hearts and throw them at Gossip Girl occasionally to make the episodes a lot more interesting because I feel that if... If Dan Humphrey had to, like, hide in a basement every month because he's a werewolf, that would be slightly more entertaining sometimes. I mean, we could argue he kind of already does that in Brooklyn. He just hides himself away. Uh, well, have we, have we given out the spoiler yet? Are we going to do... Do we have to do sirens if we're going to give out... Because what if someone hasn't... What if someone hasn't watched this piece of, like, literary brilliance yet? If somebody hasn't seen... If somebody hasn't seen this 14-year-old epic... Um, yep. Uh, let's say let's say no little spoilers uh simply because a lot of these episodes i don't remember and i don't want to be spoiled as we go through but there is one big spoiler and i feel that we need to tell it because it does shape the entire series because of how fucking ridiculous it is a lot of the drama in later seasons comes from who is gossip girl and if i recall correctly that was part of the drama from the books um the cecily von zeiss books Got yeah. that, I mangled that name um, that came out originally and that this show is based on yeah. that Gossip Girl was this apparent person who attended the same academy as all the main characters and had a blog and everyone followed it because it was all the gossip about these Upper East Siders in New York. Yeah. So the big spoiler at the very end of the series, it's revealed that Dan Humphreys, one of the main characters, is in fact this blogger. AKA Lonely Boy. Lonely Boy. Yes, he's he's mentioned in the blog. So he's talking about himself and yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I'm of the belief and I believe he's most of Lonely the, Boy. Yeah, he calls himself Lonely Boy. It's like subtle dude. Um yeah, yeah, that. just throw that throw throw the scent off. Why would anyone call themselves Lonely Boy despite every comment seeming to be about, "Oh, Lonely Boy is not so lonely anymore." It's like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Like, simply because no one cares about you, Dan. This is my big point about Dan cannot be in Gossip Girl. No one, no one who reads Gossip Girl cares who you are. Why would they care? They didn't. They didn't. And then he's Gossip Girl. Anyway, that is the big spoiler. Dan is Gossip Girl. So as we are talking about this show all through, like for the next 18 weeks, please remember that the character of Dan Humphreys is the same person as Gossip Girl, because what the fuck? Yeah, and this is where we can all find out, do you think it was planned from the start, or was it <laughs> trying to wrap up a series? 
We'll never know. Never know. probably will. I'm know. sure someone's written about it. But I haven't read about it, so I will probably never know. Well, let's get Unless in. someone tells me. <laughs> yeah, write in. Write in. Send us links. We will never read them, but please do. Jeremy will. I won't. Yeah, I will. I will. I control the email address until Meek steals it from me. So let us get into the pilot. Wait, this is my play. See, it's like to be the, I'm going to be the Dan Humphreys of this podcast. Oh, I see how it is. You're going to be the, yeah. the game master yeah. controlling all the strings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to work wow. really hard. I feel to be dragging this back to tabletop role-playing games. I, <laughs> we will see how well I go. Okay. Maybe okay. odds be ever in your favor. Yeah. The pilot. We open. It's New York City. Oh, and this got- this is this is why I adore this show, honestly, and why I actually agreed to it because I adore New York. It's all the little intercut bits where it's got the shot of the bridge and it's got just a just an intersection and cabs going through and a green light with the with the street signs hanging across the the wires. Oh my god. I am in heaven. And Bendel's. Yes. And like all the mentions of like actual places I know. It's pretty great. And look, it's all the aspiration, like we opening into this like amazing city. Hmm. I mean, the fact that we get a scene later where they're having lunch on the steps of the, of the Met. It's like, yeah, <laughs> of course you just, you just have, you have lunch. Oh no, let's have breakfast and meet together on the steps of the Met before we head off to our prestigious Academy. Yeah. I, yeah. I am in love with this show until a character speaks. Great. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would that... I, I would disagree and say that we are in love with this show for many, many reasons. I mean, the dialogue has its moments. It does. It does. All right. Well, let's let's go through. Give um give the crew credit where it's due. We are watching the episode one, season one, the pilot. Uh, it's directed by Mark Piznarski yeah. and it's written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, who, as I have mentioned earlier, were the the brains behind the OC, and they were pretty young themselves when they got that started. I believe Josh Schwartz was only twenty four when the OC got picked up, and this would probably only be like five years later. So he's really just early third. Well, not even 30 yet, possibly. And I feel that that's kind of what works for this show, that there is a young feel to it. Like, the books themselves are all about the fact that there's mobile phones and a blog. Oh, my God, what's a blog, say the parents? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, there's there's a mention in this, in the pilot episode, that Dan makes some snarky comment to his, his dad's putting up, like, posters for his band on, you know, old school with, like, a staple gun, and Dan's like, Dad, haven't you heard of this thing called MySpace? It's like, and no. Like, wow. Have we heard of a thing called no, MySpace? <laughs> no. Uh, there are definitely kids today growing up in a world that do not know what MySpace is. MySpace was kind of like Friendster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, Meek doesn't even know what that was. <laughs> there are some people no. who are laughing at my jokes. There are some. <laughs> they'll, they'll write in. What's, hey, what's Friendster? Friendster was pre-MySpace. I'm a millennial. Uh, All of these just kind of got nuked it, by yes. Facebook, so it didn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, we could talk um, about LiveJournal, because I feel Gossip Girl was probably hosted on LiveJournal. No, there would have been some... They would have paid someone. They all had money. Well, actually, here's a question That's I true. did have 
this is actually, I was meant to write this down. Dan Humphreys, how does he pay for his, because they apparently are meant to be, again, I use this term poor, very like, yeah. compared to the Upper East Siders. They're, they're always seen as, but they have this ridiculous loft in Brooklyn and they have these like ridiculous, their clothes are still amazing, like despite the fact that they are quote unquote the poor ones. But how is he po- like paying for web hosting for this? Um, yeah. Pixie spy magic, probably. Yeah. That's your first floor right there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge gaping hole in the plot. Oh, no. I think we might have suspected Dan is not Gossip Girl, except Dan is Gossip Girl. So he clearly got the money somewhere. Maybe Does he have a job? I can't even remember now. We've been, I've been watching this for like a couple no. of weeks now, and I can't remember what Dan no, does no, when no. he's not moping about. Oh. All right. Well, well, let's get into the pilot after uh, after we beat around the bush for 20 minutes beforehand. Uh, the synopsis of this is actually pretty pretty basic. It's uh, the privileged prep school teens learn that Serena Vanderwoodson is back in town, which to us is like who and what. So, all right. As the synopsis goes, it's um, an inciting incident, and yeah, I I do like this introduction with um, Serena on the train and arrive. Well, anything that it shows off Grand Central Station, I'm going to adore. Yeah. Uh, but the music really helps too. And we get a little, we get a good introduction of Gossip Girl, um, the amazing Kristen Bell doing the voiceover uh, as the character of Gossip. Apparently this is Dan's internal monologue or the person he gets to do the audiobook version of his blog. And just kind of saying, hey, people are spotting Serena Vanderwoodson, which sort of implies that there's enough people at this school and in the Upper East Side reading the blog that they're all on the lookout for tips and that Serena is famous enough that everyone knows her by sight. She's floor hero at this stage. See? Look at that. Look at that link. She is the, you know, illustrious, you know, adventurer that has gone off and made their way back. Uh, Why they left? It sounds like you get the instant feeling that she's like left for not great reasons put it that way yeah it certainly seems to be a shock that she's returned and um there's a scandal of some sort but almost immediately after that we're introduced to our other hero well our other hero in inverted commas uh dan humphrey and his family as rufus humphrey um rufus humphrey are played by matthew settle yeah um and i am a huge fan of matthew settle simply because he was in Band of Brothers um, as the amazing, I want to say Sergeant, he might be a captain, Captain Spears. And this is just a complete aside and kind of why I like Rufus so often. The Captain Spears was, you know what, just go watch Band of Brothers and you will love Spears. It helps that he's played by Matthew Settle, um, who is very cool. And he is picking up Dan and uh, Jenny, his children, because they have been spending some time upstate with their mother because the the Humphrey parents are not living together at the moment and this seems to be a shock to everyone. That um that thing there may be Yeah. That it's um it's awkward for them all. Which is, you know, it's sad. Um But Dan notices Serena as well. So I guess um Gossip Girl's got some some stuff to write about. Uh, okay, and- so what I lack in preparation, I, I do want to make a point here because I want to point out that Serena is wearing a very nice neckchief and oh, I good. want to talk about the symbolism between that and another character that might come up later. Who knows? 
I'm re- so this is why I'm really glad you're on the show because I notice the fashion occasionally, but you cannot talk about this show without talking about the fashion because it is incredibly important. And I will just, have, oh I'll be like, okay, Blake Liver looks great in those jeans kind of kind of attitude towards my, <laughs> my brain when I'm looking at these things. So oh. it is good that you are here to point these things out. Great. I think it's just as important a character, like I said, as the city being a character, the fashion is. It's So for me, right, context of me in this show, this was me, I think, and wasn't quite old enough to watch Sex and the City as it came out, but like kind of rewatched it later. So this was like my quote-unquote Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. Like it was very similar. It was set in New York. It was like people that seemed to have a lot of money for no apparent reason uh, wearing amazing clothes. Like... That's what this show was. This is spot on why this show is still popular in a lot of circles, because it was the teen version of Sex and the City. Like, this was the risque show that they advertised it as, they got quotes from parent organisations saying, this show is horrible, do not let your children watch it, and they used it as the marketing tool. Because that's what teens want. Because this was what teens were really like. Yeah. That's what I was like in 2007 with my flip phone and my MySpace page. Living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. (laughs) Living in South Side of Perth. (laughs) That was my New York. It's interesting you bring up the flip phones because the phones do almost take on a character of their own as well, that everyone is receiving these messages at the same time. The Gossip Girl has updated that Serena is back in town and everyone now knows, uh, including the next character where sort of... Well, we're introduced to the... I can't remember their names. They're Blair's sidekicks, and I will. They oh, do have it names. Matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're interchangeable. No, well, they probably they would, but that's the point. Yeah. Uh, but then we get introduced to Blair, uh, and Gossip Girl explains how she connects with Serena, and also how her boyfriend connects with Serena, and it's a whole thing that there was drama. But the important thing is that Blair is played by Leighton Meester, and we love her. We do. We adore Leighton Meester. She's amazing. And particularly, we already get her... This is what's great about the show, that I really enjoy about the show, is that there are very broad strokes, but they show you good ways of determining character and relationships by very simple means. That early on, we get a scene with Blair and her mother, and Blair is like wearing a not very i don't know can't remember the exact dress i'm sure meek does um very nice dress and her mother her mother tells her if you're going to wear one of my designs tell me so we can have it properly fitted and with that one line we learn that blair's mother is a designer and also that she does not think very highly of her daughter at least of her daughter's appearance which is the most important thing in this show apparently to so many of these families yeah. Appearances both literally and more like, you know, keeping up of appearances. And it, maybe there's the, the element of show, don't tell, but so much is shown in that one line. Like, you see also um, Blair's face afterwards. Her response to being told that is just, she's devastated. And yeah. you, you get the, you already know that relationship. You know what they're going to be like. So yeah. it, it's not quite telling. Sure. It's it's showing exactly because you get history that you wouldn't have had either. And with role-playing games, this is world building. 
This is having a line about, you know, the king who used to to rule this land. It's like, well, now you know that there was a king and that the the land in question has been around for a while. Just these little seeds that you give people. And I mean, this yeah. is kind of why I talk about these things because you're when you're playing a role-playing game, you are writing a story. And Gossip Girl is very much writing a story every single page. Even to, like you're talking about the broad strokes, well, even just the colors, like the fact that when we first meet Blair, she's like in a black dress, the black hand, like headband, <laughs> and her like you know dark brunette like hair, and her mom's in black, and it's all this kind of you kind of almost tempted to think she's. And Serena's comes into this light of Grand Central with her blonde hair and her like, mm-hmm. you know. They're instantly played off. Like I always think of them, like Galinda and like the not the official like the again. This is yeah. a Broadway reference. The Wicked reference, like Galinda and Elphaba kind of thing. Like they're instantly played off as their their frenemies. Yeah. From the yeah, from the get go, they're opposing for like they're the yin and yang. They're the opposing forces that we're told yeah. are friends, but every interaction we see from them at this point doesn't seem like that. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like they will in- be clashing. We'll get going to get drama and sparks every time these two are in the same room. There's such a girl thing too in that first scene when uh, Serena arrives at that same party, just after, not long after the the mum interacts with Blair. Yeah. Uh, Serena rocks up and Blair, you can see like the girl, like her face just goes into like, oh, like obviously fake friend mode, mm. gives her a hug. And then as soon as she turns around, the face just changes and like, oh man, I've, seen both sides of that way too often in my life yeah i've probably done it myself as well i'm not gonna lie i'm so impressed that no one seems to notice classic no because they're all doing it yeah i guess so like no one's actually looking (laughs) at people's faces once they're done no one's looking at blair going oh look they hugged oh look at her face now it's like we're the only ones seeing that and actually yeah one of the weirder things about that scene, I mean, I think we're going to jump around a bit. We may not do the traditional, let's just go in, in standard order for this and just pick up bits we particularly like. Because there is a lot of minor scenes as well, particularly when we're building the the characters at this point. But we also introduced to Nate, which is going to be the, I guess, the boy between the two of them, um, who is Blair's boyfriend. And because Blair feels bad about what her mother said, she's basically, hey, Nate, let's go hook up because I feel bad and you give me validation. It's like, yeah, that tracks. But then when Serena arrives, it it does feel a little bit like Blair is trying to hide the fact that Serena is back from Nate. And this is very obvious. It's not like we're Mm. not supposed to see this. And as soon as it's announced, like they are on the bed, Nate and Blair are on the bed making out and there's a knock at the door and they're like, oh, Serena's here. And Nate's just like, Serena? He like perks up like a golden retriever yeah. that just told it's going for a walk. Yeah. And Blair's. Oh my God, it's literally the analogy I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, Nate and and Serena are very golden retriever like. Both of them have lots of blonde hair. It's very accurate in my opinion. Um, and and Serena does somewhat have the attitude of a very friendly golden retriever in some cases, which is why I adore her. So, yeah, Blair obviously would be kind of upset that Serena is here. And she was just having, she was trying to get hers. She was, whether she was trying to have sex with Nate, whatever was happening, she was asking for validation. And Nate has basically pushed her off the bed and said, no, no, I need to go talk to your friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm on Blair's side here. I think Serena's only there to try and find her mother anyway. 
Yeah, Serena definitely feels uncomfortable. And is also, again, dressed like not like... It's like she instantly is, meant, is made to look like the outsider as much as... In every sense of the word. Yeah. You know, people don't really kind of... Yeah. It's all yeah, very forced not... and very awful. Is there... It's never explained what this um, what this party is for. It just seems to be a party. Oh yeah, because it's probably a Tuesday night because that's what you do on the upper. There's a very nice buffet. Yeah. There's lots of sweeping shots of a very nice buffet. Um, have we introduced so there's so yeah, Nate is like the just Nate. Nate is going to Dartmouth. The... Yeah, he's the himbo that uh, is definitely going to Dartmouth. Yeah, that's very heavily. Yeah. pointed out to us uh, as, yeah. as his dad's like, hey, how about Dartmouth? And Nate's like, well, I'm thinking, he goes, no, you're going to Dartmouth. It's like, all right, that's what we know about Nate. He's he's yep. pretty and he's going to Dartmouth. Yep. <laughs> that's his discerning quality at that stage. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So when it's you're kinda... writing an NPC, don't do that is what we're saying. Yeah, Nate, uh... is, Nate has a strong NPC energy in this episode, um, which is kind of a shame. But he, he yeah. has his time. He, he has his moment eventually. He gets which his. Is, which is great. Yeah. I uh, would but, love to at this stage reference like a much, much later episode, but I'll wait. No, we'll wait until those. Like we, we're talking like season six when he gets his. Oh, yeah. I don't even season know what you're talking about anyway. now. Anyway, uh, we do learn that why Serena has come back to New York, which is pretty straightforward. Um, her mother has, well, uh, that her, her brother is in hospital. Um, I don't think we learn why just yet, but she certainly. Oh, you can tell she makes reference to him, like her. She expects to see her brother at this party, and then her yeah. mum kind of—it's definitely like a hush hush thing, like what you haven't let him out yet, or there's some reference to that, alluding to the fact that he might not be there of his own choice. Yeah, but yeah, that he's being held not... prisoner somewhere. Yeah, essentially, but yeah, you don't know exactly why. Um, and this is even before we get into the, the opening credits. Honestly, all this stuff has happened because the opening credits, well, we, we see the notes about Serena being back in town and then we cut to Dan Humphreys reading the Gossip Girl webpage. And to me, this is the most clear evidence that Dan is Gossip Girl because he has it open while the voiceover plays. And it's like, he's looking at the screen and he's all suspicious and, and sinister. It's like, yeah, that's Gossip Girl. That guy's Gossip Girl. Yeah. 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 So he's my... writing that article if he's not at the party. Yeah. Whoa. That's a good point. Well, he's got people who send him updates. Like everyone texts and like send the tip into Gossip Girl. Maybe I still need to take a step back and like, like, who is that person that does that though? Like just completely put stuff online without fact checking at all or, or experiencing it in the it, no i'm we're... just actually realizing where we are in the, in the world <laughs> and where we are in time and realizing that's no that's actually just what we do now what we're saying is that gossip Continue girl on. predicted 2016 it was it was so uh we do actually learn yeah. what happened with um with uh serena's brother eric uh it turns out he had a suicide attempt um which is bad and this is actually where it comes into the first problem for me with some of the casting that Blake Lively looks like well not um, the actor's sister she looks like 
uh, Kelly Rutherford, her mother's, basically Lily Van Roosen, Vander Woodson, looks like her younger sister. Look like quite easily play the slightly, yeah. you know, decade or so younger, younger sister. And it's like, I don't understand what you're doing with my nephew. Why are you being so horrible to him rather than my little brother's in hospital? It feels, she feels like an adult is my point. Oh, for sure. But I think that's part of the Serena whimsy. Yeah, like, that's that true. character is just, she just has her own orb that she floats in, her own bubble. Yeah. Oh, there, there it is. That Serena just kind of drifts from one crisis to another um, while yeah. looking like a, a Barbie doll. Anyway, we've got we got an idea of their their relationship and what's going on with their drama at the moment. And then we get to go to the Humphrey Loft, which again, beautiful loft uh, with with uh-huh. um, Raggedy McGurch and Waffles doing some um, some invite folding. Uh, by Raggedy McCurch and Waffles. And calligraphy. Ref- and calligraphy. She's not and- just doing envelope folding. And calligraphy. That's why she, that's, that's, yeah, yeah she's yeah. doing some fine, fine work. The, this proves that she's refined. Maybe that counts. That she's work. element. She's quite, quite talented. Um, she's got yes. a proficiency in calligraphy tools. <laughs> dragging it back to D&D. Dragging it back. That... Well, here's, here's where I kind of explain why I'm going to be calling uh, Jenny Humphreys Raggedy McGurchin Waffles for the entire run of I've this show, waiting. or I will try to anyway. I'm so when this first came out, or maybe it was when it was in its its heyday, there was a site, and I'm pretty certain it might have been LiveJournal, um, that had a, a user or a blog called Gossip Gaze. And that reimagined the first few episodes. I believe they just posted the videos with subtitles on there, changing all of the characters. And in this in this retelling, Serena and Blair were exes, and that's why they had so many so many problems. Um, Chuck was gay. Nate was gay. Chuck was also a vampire for some reason. Uh, and one of the ways that Blair decided to get back at Serena was by taking a new lover, which was Jenny, because Jenny's poor. And I, no one in that, they all still had the same names, but no one referred to Jenny by her name. She was just Raggedy McUrchin Waffles because that is what she looks like. She looks like an urchin. She is this cute little girl who has no idea what's going on in the world, is just so, so shiny and new, and I don't understand. Could you please be nice to me, older person who has all the money? I'm poor, dear listeners. It's a shame you can't see Meek's face right now. What? But what, what, doesn't that just make her, like, more childlike? Then why an urchin? She's, like... She is an urchin. She's poor. Again, we keep using that word, and I think we really need to point out for another, as in this show, that the Humphreys are ex- have an extremely large loft in Brooklyn with amazing appliances. Rufus runs a gallery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're the poor family that run a gallery. In this same scene, we get not, we find out that Rufus is in Rolling Stone. Like there is an article on bands from from the night, like from the eighties or nineties, that have been forgotten. But Rufus's band is in there. That he's Lincoln Hawk. Is that what it's called? Oh my god! Yeah, Lincoln Hawk. Oh wow! I did not know that. I paid um, no attention to this. That is fantastic. Of course, it's called Lincoln Hawk. Yeah. Is that a reference to something? What what ref? No, it's just perfect for the type of guy that he looks like. 
I I really hope that someone out there has made a fan band called Lincoln Hawk. Simply because I, mean, I would I would like to know what kind of music Gossip Girl fans think Lincoln Hawk played. Well, they're nineties grunge rock, right? So oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, what? Hang on. All right. This why is why Google. I should this is why you do research, right, and prepare. Is this what you do? Because I think I've just found something cool. I feel that we can never prepare enough. Oh my god. The tangents we will be going on are all over the place. What have you found out about Lincoln Hawk? So I'm reading a variety. So uh, Mike Fratantuno, Brian Lappin, and Terence Yoshiaki, who were original members of the Black Eyed Peas, are finding mm-hmm. success as the band behind Lincoln Hawk, the fictional group led by Rhys Humphrey. So, like, they actually made a band with actual musicians to play on the show. This is the best thing ever. Someone send me Creating links. fake hits for Lincoln Hawk. Only part of the tr- oh, oh my gosh. Okay. I haven't mentioned this on the show yet, but for some reason, fake bands and fake products in shows just like this really hits the right level of meta for me. I have all of the books that were written supposedly by Richard Castle from Castle. Just this fake media that has been created. The Escapist is a great example. Well, going back to, to one of Josh Schwartz's favorite things, The Escapist is based from. Um, the the book The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which won oh, a bunch of awards by Michael Chabon. It's a great book. Everyone should read it. It's recommended in the OC a lot of the time, and I read it. But it's about the birth of comics, and one of the characters created it is The Escapist, and then they started making Escapist comics even though they never actually existed in the 30s. And this is just that level of postmodernism that really like runs a bolt of electricity down my spine, and I absolutely adore so this is the kind of and thing that again, I really... which makes Gossip Girl a masterpiece. Let's just say it. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, you haven't got me to masterpiece yet, but <laughs> I'm appreciating it a lot more. There's a, there, there are layers. I, we have added an extra layer to the cake that is Gossip Girl. Yeah. Could uh, we say that it is the Citizen Kane of teen... Drama shows 2007 to 2012. No. I don't even know where we were up to. Anyway, there's going to be a party. Um, yeah, there's going to be a party uh, that Blair is hosting. Kiss on the lips party. Kiss on the lips. And sure, Dan's never been allowed to go uh, because he's Dan. He's lonely. He's sad. Sucks to be you, Dan. Well, no, but it's Jenny... not that he's not allowed to go. He's not invited. Yeah, he's not allowed. He's not allowed by the, the rich people because he's poor. But no, he's not just poor. This is the thing. He's not poor. He's just a jerk, is my point. <laughs> They're not inviting him because he's he's this guy. He's this loner at the school who's just like, oh, you're all like rich and like getting into trust funds and, and universities and Ivy. I've got to work for everything, except you don't work, Dan. This is just me bagging on Dan yeah. now. But he is. He just standoffish and unfriendly. And there's a reason why Jenny has been invited, despite the fact that she's good at calligraphy. Uh, she's been invited because she's actually friendly and nice. Yeah, well, she's desperate to fit in. But I would say that yeah. Dan's going for a, like, he's that definitely that kind of, like, brooding kind of edgelord artist, oh, yeah. you know. Um, oh, for sure. He's definitely the person that plays a bard in a party but deliberately plays them, like, real gritty. Like, those oh. people. See, I would have said he plays a rogue. Um, but, but, no, you're right. Yeah, he's a bard that thinks he's a rogue. 
So he's got the, the tragic Ooh, backstory. Oh, maybe he multi-classes. Yeah, 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 exactly. But his tragic backstory yeah. is that he was born into an extremely rich family in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, woe is me. Woe is me. I live in a loft. Yeah, <sighs> no one likes me because I don't talk to them. A lot. This Okay, yeah. so this is a pilot. This is a session zero for for the role-playing group that we will call Gossip Girl or the Gossip Girl cast or the Gossip Girl characters. Uh, so we do get a lot of the interactions yeah. between them all. Like we get Nate coming by the hotel that Serena's living at at the moment and basically we kind of get a little bit of the tension and the secrecy between them. But we also have Nate and Chuck on the bus um, kind of talking, Chuck being Chuck, uh, Chuck Bass being yeah. the not particularly pleasant example of um, toxic masculinity that we will come to tolerate that that um, he's talking about Blair and refers to her as a level of perfection that just uh, needs to be violated effing hot last night there's something wrong with that level of perfection it needs to be violated you are deeply disturbed and yet you know I'm right you're telling me if you had the chance... I have a girlfriend. You guys have been dating since kindergarten and you haven't sealed the deal. Who says seal the deal? Come on. Are you following us or something? No, I, I, I go to your school. Identical uniforms? That kind of a tip-off? It's funny. <laughs> so, you guys want to... Sit together at lunch, which um, doesn't no, really. Serena. Oh, he's talking about Serena in that. Sure oh he's God, Serena there. I don't. I thought he was talking about Blair because he was saying to Nate, "How come you oh. and Blair haven't had sex yet?" Oh, I took away a different. I thought he was talking about Serena, as in like because they'd seen Serena. She's because he goes, "Serena was looking hot last night when she came back." I don't. That think level really... of perfection needs to be. Yeah. No. I don't think it matters which which woman he's talking about. It's creepy. <laughs> you know what the most disturbing thing for me in this scene was the fact that those characters are on a bus. Yeah. Why are they on a bus? That's, that's it, I immediately have to be honest, lost all that that lost all credit because like these people would not be on a bus oh god no well the only reason they're only the reason they're on a bus is because dan is also on the bus and overhearing everything they're talking about and they actually notice him which is surprisingly enough because chuck's like um are you following us and he's like no we go to the same school (laughs) because we're wearing identical uniforms and that is honestly my favorite moment oh yeah my favorite line in the episode it's like dan you're actually snarky and funny here i like you now But, like, when they say they're wearing matching uniforms, there is no way, shape, or form there. They have the same tie and I think possibly the shirt, but Dan's wearing about four jackets in an approach to look like a a layered, you know, roguish edgelord. Uh, Chuck is wearing a scarf that is just so unnecessary. Oh, God, the scarf. Like, mentioning. Uh, I think Nate might be in what resembles, but none of them wear school uniform. Like it looks like, do you know what it looks like the school uniform is? Wear something that kind of likes, like like someone Disney bounding, you know, a character. As long as it's got an illusion of a uniform, it's got some colours, yeah. we'll accept it. It's a sim- similar um, mustard. Everyone's kind of in the same same colour, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like but we, other than that, it's again. Yeah. Well, it is still an American TV show. The fact that there's uniforms at all is surprising. True. True. And this just seems to be them getting to school because um, we see Raggedy McUrchin waffles and, you know what, it's just fun to say too. Great. I'm not going to – I mean, I encourage it. <laughs> it. It's just odd saying – I have to say the whole thing. I can't just call her Raggedy because that's weird. I guess McGurchin waffles yeah. works just as well. But either way, she uh, goes and delivers the invites to Blair, who, as I said, is sitting on the st- steps of the Met with her two sidekicks. And this is just apparently where they have breakfast. It's like, hell yeah, that sounds amazing. Where you meet, where the cool kids meet. Yeah, the cool kids, you know, the Met, which is just right outside our school. It's just, yeah, that's how you roll on the Upper East Side. I will admit that last last time I was in New York, I'm just going to drop that there. Last time I was in New York, I went to the Met and I was kind of looking around like, so if this is the Met, where's their school? <laughs> Where would their school be if um, this is how far they can just walk from for, for breakfast? But they, I think New Yorkers as well is different. I think you, and again, they wouldn't be walking. They've probably got drivers. Like what you probably can't see is off screen. Yeah, there's, there's just like a limo a waiting. a parade of like private limousines. Yeah. Yeah. Because these maybe. people, I was going to say they might have walked, but these people don't walk. No, they use the bus. Ugh. I'll, I'm going to forgive them because it's the pilot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that go wrong in the pilot, which uh, we're just going to forget in a lot of cases. Anyway, Serena rocks up and um, Blair's just like, well, you can't come because uh, all the invites have been done and we didn't think you were around. So I guess you don't get one. Sorry. And she's not really sorry. No, she's not. Why would she she's be? She's not really sorry. So, yeah, we, we get a little bit more of um, Serena and Eric's relationship. And I do like the sibling relationship between the two of them. It's nice to see siblings that actually like each other in a situation like this and not, a, not constantly bickering or just at odds. They actually seem like they're friends uh, because she kidnapped yeah. him from <laughs> of that kid. Yeah, they're friends. You just go kidnapping. Sneaks him out of the hospital that he's in and decides to go shopping because she's just like, well, you know what? You need some some out time. And they run into Dan yes. and uh, Raggedy McUrchin Waffles who are not shopping for a dress for for her to t- wear to the party specifically, which right. we find out here, that um, she's going to look at the dresses and then try and make one herself of that quality. So a little bit of a sprinkling yep. of, of foreshadowing there that, that Raggedy actually has some, some skills when it comes to dressmaking, which I'm guessing is a holdover from the books. I don't know. I actually remember that much, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I have read some now. of the books, but again, I, there was, it was a while ago. I'm pretty sure she could always sew. Yeah, probably. I think a key element of this scene is that Dan just disappears. He does a great stealth check and just vanishes uh, as soon as Serena's around and Raggedy's just like, I don't even, I do have a brother around here somewhere, I promise, but he's just disappeared. And um, Serena's nice to her too. She just kind of gives us some suggestions on the dress before she and Derek. And I feel that this is probably something that, well, that I don't want to foreshadow, but there's a bit of a spark between Eric and, and Raggedy. I feel that there's a little bit of, hi, you're about my age and we're the only characters around our age in the show, so we're probably going to, be connecting in some way to point out that when you say serena gives her a hand with the dress um she suggests the dress is red and serena's big fashion tip is to wear something black which is just i mean hold the door i know hold the door serena Serena, fashion mogul 
uh, fashionista. Yeah. I, I think it's more important that she's being nice to someone who is essentially a stranger. That's the key element of that scene. It's not Serena knows fashion. It's Serena's going out of her way to be nice. <laughs> well, for some of us, we wanted Serena. We wanted a whole, we could have stopped the episode there and just had like a, like a complete scene in Bendel's with just them trying on like a dress montage. Oh, yeah. There That's needs what to be, some of us wanted, Jeremy. There needs to be some sort of montage or fashion montage in some of these episodes, but I'm sure we'll get to them. It's you don't you don't have a show yeah. like this where it's all a lot about fashion and don't have a fashion montage at some point. True. Oh. Um, so one of the things that Serena and Blair well, this is why Serena went to see Blair earlier as well, not so much about the party, but more to get an opportunity to, you know, talk and actually communicate like regular humans, uh, rather than teenagers. So they go to a bar. They go to the hotel bar. Yes, as you do when you're 16. Now these, yeah, I was going to say, they're, six, they're meant to be about 16, right? Yeah. 16, 17. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, everyone except Blair is 17 at this point. Oh, and obviously Raggedy yes. McCutcheon Waffles is a bit younger. Although, interestingly enough, Taylor Momsen was only yeah. 15 during this filming, which is one of the reasons why she looks like a child, because she was. Because she actually was. Yeah. Uh, so... Serena and Blair meet at the bar and they kind of talk um, about all the things that happened, um, specifically about the fact that Blair's parents went through a divorce because her father left her for another guy, left Serena, left Blair's mother for another guy, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Serena's trying really hard, but Blair's, yeah, not really not really as friendly as she, she probably likes. Um, so we're kind of setting up the drama between the two of them for, for the next little while, that they were once friends and now they're not. Uh, and after Blair leaves, uh, Serena just goes, cool, martinis. It is exquisite girl thing to be like, everything's fine on the surface, but actually. So Serena starts downing martinis because you're 16 and you're apparently just getting served at a bar. So yeah, you got to down martinis. That seems fair. And what sixteen-year-old orders a martini, as well? Like I don't drink a martini now, and I, I like I have a sixteen-year-old. Like, like show me Serena having a freaking like Cosmo, or even that maybe like just a nice cruiser, and a Midori Illusion. That's what oh I want God. to see Serena Vanderwoodson having. No, no one there drinks from the bottle. I'm thinking a cruiser. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, Midori Illusion, maybe um, Cosmo, certainly. But did we talk about as well how Chuck was just swinging scotch in that opening party too? Like all these children just drink openly throughout in yeah. front of their adult, in front like, of their parents. Yeah, it's like, what, it is what just the hell? okay. Oh my god! Oh, anyway, um, speaking of Chuck, actually, he's at the bar too. He rocks up uh, because I'm guessing his father owns the hotel, which is sort of the point of Chuck's wealth. Yes. In- and he and Serena give a little Alex. bit of banter um, backwards and forwards. And we are revealed that she is absolutely smashed now, which to be fair, her, the bar is right downstairs. It's not like she has to walk home very far. Yeah. Uh, and he, they decide, well, he convinces her to go to the kitchen uh, and get some 
Well, the most expensive grilled cheese sandwich in existence, I'm pretty certain, which because it's uh, grilled cheese with truffle oil. How about I just get a bite to eat? I've been drinking on an empty stomach. I heard you didn't do that anymore. Special occasion. Well, how about a grilled cheese with truffle oil? You do love truffles. Yeah. Enough to know it's not on the menu. Good thing I'm connected. Which actually sounds oh, really good. That sounds really good. Because of course he would. Chuck, just, just no. He, he's just, he's so sleazy gross. in this scene. So gross. He's so gross. Yeah. But um, is it not that he's just clearly overcompensating for low self-esteem? Is that not what we can start to see? It's like, it's no. like the redemption arc has already started. No. It's already started. No. <laughs> no, not yet. He's, he hasn't actually done anything horrible yet. He's just been sleazy and gross. Uh, it's not going to be later in the episode that he actually yeah. does something horrible. Um, well, there is yeah. a... Here's where... Okay, I'll give you this for layers and and I won't say masterpiece yet, but where the show is interwoven. Because Jenny overheard about the meeting between Blair and Serena. So when Dan's all like, oh, yeah, I kind of like Serena, um, but she doesn't like me because I'm poor. I'd never just run into her. Jenny's just... Jenny just says, well, she's at the bar right now. Like, I know where she's going to be. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll just go out and run into her. So you're setting up all the different elements of how things are going to connect. And it's yeah. a, yeah, it's a tough thing to do well, but it also telegraphs really early on where things are going, uh, which is good because you can kind of see, well, Chuck and Serena are here together and now Dan's going to show up and that's going to create more drama no matter what actually occurs. The fact that he's into Serena and Chuck doesn't seem to know who he is or like him particularly very much from their interactions before, it's like suddenly this will be an interesting scene because of that. Yeah. But um, it's interesting so to take it... Here we go. Here's my, here's my attempt to link this back to D&D. &D. You okay. ready? Okay, Wait what do you got? What do you got? Wait for this majestic... This is like when, like as a DM, right, like I do this all the time, where I have one big plot already in my head, right? Like I've yeah. got one big pot of drama here, but I'll put a oh, bunch yeah. of spot fires out that are kind of related. And then you can just choose. And no matter which one you choose, you're actually going to end up with the same like dumpster fire anyway. But like I want you to think like you're choosing the fire, but you're Ooh. not. Um, and like clearly this whole love triangle thing between Chuck and, uh, not Chuck, sorry, between Nate and Serena and Blair is like where everyone because you got dan in there and then from dan there's like jenny and like and then yeah anyway it's and all everyone. connected it's all connected so. and it is actually yeah you you've got made a really good point about it because you have the party wandering off to get grilled cheese sandwich in the kitchen and you're like i really need this other plot to keep going so dan maybe you head <laughs> over there too yeah Oh no! What's that? Oh no! What's Run happening into now? This other NPC again. And he's got a mission for you. This time he says, "Well, I'll pay you double. Just fucking do it already." <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe do... that's why Chuck's so gross, though, because, because they, you need gross. to make an NPC so bad that the players don't want to hang out with him. Maybe oh, yeah. that's his purpose. Um, nice you know, like sometimes if one. like they're getting too into it, you're like, "Oh no, you guys like this NPC that I just made up." you know, way too too much. I need to make them horrible so you... Here we go. You know, He's going to eat a puppy. I want to hang out with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is kind of what How he do does you in like the... like that now? 
this is what he does in the next scene. And this is kind of why I'm, well, Chuck needs to be redeemed quite early on. I mean, he hits the mark for this redemption arc you believe he's on very early on because he clears out the kitchen. Um, and while Serena, like he kind of explains he knows why Serena left and we have a flashback of to a wedding of them, Serena and, and Nate dancing and making out and hooking up. Of course, this was a while ago, so he was clearly with Blair. And the fact that Chuck knows about this, suddenly he has power over Serena and he uses his power to fucking assault her. Which she fights off, but that's a pretty big, big thing to come back from. It's not looking good for Chuck, honestly. Yeah. I do think, like, especially being the pilot, I definitely think they were trying to really set the tone for, like, oh, this is, like, you know, we're going to put some really intense stuff out here for people yeah. to have to deal with. And Yeah, I think no, were, it's not great. I think they were trying to set up a villain pretty early on, and it just doesn't pan out. I I There is the elephant in the room that I'll mention that um, allegedly Ed Westwick, who plays Chuck, has been accused of assaulting women. Uh, as well and the charges were dropped for a number of reasons but that's out there too so it does put this scene in a nasty um nasty light as well just just kind of but characters are not actors um and we can separate those most of the time everybody else on the show seems really nice one of the things, okay, there is a something that I do like about this scene. It's not so much like, but in the flashback when Nate and Serena are dancing around and they're very drunk, um, I believe them as teenagers drunk. That they act like uh, drunk teenagers would. I feel from my experience of being a drunk teenager many years ago that, yeah, that tracks. They're just being idiots, essentially. It's great. I mean, I personally was never a drunk teenager because I would never do anything illegal. I have never done anything wrong in my life ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're on, uh, on no, here to, definitely... to keep me honest. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, they. I think that that's also part of the Nate and Serena energy. Like they are, they're, they, they're just like, there is a part of them that are kids. I don't know. Even though they just, everything is so light and like, it's weird. I can't even really describe it, but yeah. It's, yeah, there's definitely an energy with there. They're like magnets. It's like the two beautiful blonde people in the show just seem to keep getting drawn together in some sort of weird Aryan connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to, to, to race through the rest of the scene, basically Serena does fight Chuck off um, by kneeing him in the balls, which is awesome. Sucks to be Chuck right now. Uh, and runs out of the... Yeah. Runs out of the kitchen, bumps into Dan. Um, oh, meet cute. Is it a meet cute? <laughs> After she's just been assaulted by one of her friends. And he, well, doesn't steal her pager. He um, discovers later on that that she dropped her pager and um, didn't pick it up. Um, so, again, now you've got a MacGuffin for him to to quest out and return. Yes. I'm just so, trying to... Do we need to explain what a pager is in case there's anyone listening that is, like, born post? I honestly so, <laughs> I honestly feel we need to explain what a pager is more than a MacGuffin. 
before phones, there was this thing called a pager. Yeah. And I never had it. It was even a little bit before my time. No, um, my, uh, my dad was a, 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 a doctor and when he was on a call, he would have a pager. So it's even before my time, really. Yeah. So I'll, so I'll rich explain. Rich people just had that because. Well, rich people, yes. <laughs> my family so rich, so wealthy. I fit in perfectly with the <laughs> the, the Upper East Side crowd. Oh That's why I love New York you so could much. Ah, be... uh, see it's all meshing now. This is just your crowd. You just see this as a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is this is what life was like. This is why I hate Dan life. because he is poor. He <laughs> <laughs> does not fit in with the upper class. Anyway, a pager, uh, for those interested, essentially it was a messenger service that people would call, rather they'd leave a message and you would get, have a little machine that would buzz and you would go, oh, I've got a message. I'd go and call my messenger service. I don't know, this was before mobile phones existed. So I guess that's the only reason why we didn't actually have portable phones around because they were too bulky. So you had a pager instead that told you someone called without actually being able to talk to them. Bring them back, I say. I mean, the reason they're no, called pages, if you, if you really want to um, break it down, yeah, is because please. you used to be able to send a Guess page. Someone. Well, it comes from, from say, airports, from um, a whole bunch of things where there was a loudspeaker, a PA system, where you would page someone. And going back even further, when you would have a person who was called a page, such as a squire or... I guess, a servant of some sort, and you would send them to see this person. You would page them. You would send a page. Makes absolutely perfect sense now that you've just explained it. I've never thought about that in my entire life. I could be making it up. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, no. I'm sure that's the etymology of that word. That I, makes too I'm much cer- sense. I'm Although English it does this. It does. I'll fact yeah. check later. I'll fact check off the air. Because now I yeah. have to know. Yeah. So interwoven with this um, this whole sequence with Dan and Serena. See, so I'll get the episode back on track while, <laughs> while Meek Googles. Uh, so Nate has been having hey, some issues. Welcome to our episode on pages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the new podcast on pages. Yeah. That Nate... <laughs> on technology um, that has been succeeded. Sorry. Nate and Blair have been having issues. Um, Nate's got his whole weird thing going on he's got nate's got a, a crisis of confidence or not a crisis of confidence a crisis of self he doesn't know where his life's headed uh but he knows he's not happy and when he gets home from a thing uh he finds blair waiting in lingerie and clearly very willing to have her virginity taken by him uh and we won't get into the whole thing about virginity being a social construct and all the other stuff that i usually talk about with that but nate doesn't want to have sex with her he wants to talk to her because he's got something very important to tell her and that basically doesn't turn out to be the fact that he and serena hooked up uh it is just that they're going to break up that blair and nate are no longer blair and nate and when he comes home or when he's running with his dad he kind of admits these problems he's having with blair and his dad's like no her mother is a could be a really big client for us and we don't want to get on her bad side. So you will go and you will apologize to Blair and you will make up with her and you will start dating her again. And I'm just like, the fuck? Like, way to be a shitty dad, um, Howard Archibald, which is Nate's surname. (laughs) Um, Or his dad's name, just throwing that out there. Yeah. 
ca- also he calls his dad the captain. Yeah, I don't know captain. what that's about. So weird. Yeah, that's weird. Is he actually a captain or is it a bit of a... No. I don't know. I just call him Howard. Unless he has an actual captain hat on, he doesn't get called the captain. We do see them a little bit later and Nate has caved. He's like, all right, I will try to get, get Blair back. We will go have sushi because she really likes sushi. Uh, it's not ideal, but Nate's like, um, I'm just going to pretend Serena does not exist at all. How about that? Will that work? Yeah. And what I love about yeah. this scene is Blair's like, yeah, that's great. We can get back together. And I am certain she is just going to fucking stab him. She's just going to stab him through the eye with the chopsticks. Be like, no, no, I'm going to wait until you're not no. looking at it, And then I'm going to fucking kill you. But she knows as well. I think she, this this whole show could really be called, like, teens who lack confidence. Because, yeah. like, at the core of this, that is really what everyone's... Apart from maybe Serena. Serena's a special like case. she's actually okay in herself. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, all the others. Like, Blair's thing is, like, she doesn't want to break up with Nate because that means that then that's not who she is and they've been dating since kindergarten and then, you know, what will her yeah. identity be and... I I have a, a a theory about well how these these teenagers interact very much with Blair and Serena being the the key examples but we kind of get it to it later in the episode so if we ever get there I'll talk about it then. No, this is eighteen episodes on just the pilot, guys. Buckle in. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> The fact that Dan now has the pager gives him an excuse to go and see Serena again, to basically return the pager. He kind of comes across the concierge because he's like, oh, I've got this for you. And the concierge is like, you look poor. You probably stole it. Um, And thankfully, Serena just happens to be walking past, to which she's like, cool. Oh, yeah, you're that guy from yesterday. You found my pager. Great. This is awesome. Uh, And corroborates his story, which doesn't work so well because um, Lily walks past as well and kind of and here's here's the here's extra the layer of onion about to be added onto this yes. juicy juicy story yes lily lily vanderwoodson seems to know who dan humphrey is which is very peculiar and she seems to know who rufus is <gasps> because in an effort to not go to the kiss on the lips party which serena very much does not want to do uh dan covers me being like oh no she's going to a concert with me we're going on a date and we're going to Rufus's party. We're going to see Lincoln conference. Hawk. Yeah, we're going to see Lincoln Hawk. Uh, which, which Lily, Lily knows. How does Lily Upper East Side? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, how does she know this? Uh, so that's, Lily, who bought her daughter a dress without her daughter seeing it for this kiss on the lips party, which I don't feel like we've spoken about how that name is weird, by the way. But yeah, I don't even. Allow it. But and ha- yeah, but. Buys a dress for a daughter unseen to wear to a party. That a kiss on the lips party clearly has like an innuendo to the title, right? Or maybe that's just me. And no, then it goes, does. "Oh, you don't want to go? No stress. I'll just wear your dress that I bought for my sixteen-year-old daughter that I fit in." Oh, a that, but like, there should be differences in style there. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe there's not. Actually, you know what? Maybe Lily's young at heart. Maybe I'm being ageist. I'll take that. Actually, bless her. You know what? I'm going to change this. Good on Lily. I'm going to point Good out. Good on you, girlfriend. One of the key things about watching this show is that the adults are my age. I worked out that they can't be more than than late thirties. 
Um, so they feel like super grown up adults. And it's like, no, they're my age. So yeah, I I'm I'm on Lily's side. Lily's actually pretty cool. I like Lily. Okay. Uh, but we'll she give should give Lily a pass. Well, not not so much about keeping her door, not so much about keeping her son locked up in a um in an institute, but yeah, the rest of it okay. Uh, but she goes to see. It wasn't Rufus. even what I was thinking about. But <laughs> uh, she yeah. goes to see Rufus after this and is like, "Why is your son dating my daughter?" And we're like, "How the hell do you know Rufus?" Um, and it seems like that they have a history that she cheated on Trent Reznor with him, or the other way around. No, she cheated on him with Trent Reznor. Which is okay. That's some some old school throwbacks, um, and definitely dating where the the period that they knew each other was from. Again, it's that world building thing of you give these two yeah. NPCs that the party has never met before, that have no idea even existed, and they've got a attention. You're like, ooh, what's that about? What's what's going on with them? I want to hear yeah. more about that. I don't want to follow the the quest line. <laughs> I have just realized this entire podcast <laughs> is the party going off on the tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck dungeon mastering this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what is a podcast host say that just another form of, of game master? It's true. It's very true. We do get around to the party. Um, that everyone now seems to be going to, or not going to in the case of Dan and Serena, yes. but they're doing something. So everybody's going out, which is sort of the point. And yes. we get a kind of a montage. We finally get a montage. It's not a fashion montage. It's kind of a preparation going to the party montage um, mm-hmm. of everyone mm-hmm. getting dressed. Yeah. And yeah, I I like this sequence. Oh, I was just going to say, there's another awkward moment as well between Blair and her mum here as well. Yeah. Where like, is that is that after the montage before the montage? Oh, I think it's around be, the montage. I think it kicks off the montage. I think because yeah. um, Blair's Blair's thinking about wearing a certain dress to the to the to the party, and her mother says something about it, which yeah. is just oh my god. Yeah, and mother, the direct quote because I remember was this is like oh you're only like skinny or you're only thin and young once, and I just want you to enjoy it, which is just like retching. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, she was in a super cute, like, 40s-inspired gown and then swaps to some, like, meh, you know, design. Yeah, Not it's... You can do better. You trust yourself. Your first choice is much better. It's true. Well, that's kind of the point, that Blair isn't trusting herself um, at this point. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, her, her new dress might be bad, but we do also get um, more of Chuck's scarf over his tuxedo and... <laughs> oh my god! Just choke him with the scarf already. <laughs> I just, what scarf. is the symbology of the scarf? And, think, and is it that he's being constricted by society? What is it? No, he's peacocking. This can be an ongoing discussion. No, he's. Pe- I, I feel, feel like we... the fact that it's a neck. They could have given him a fedora. Why didn't they give Chuck a fedora? Why did they give him a scarf? My bet is because in the books he had a scarf. Okay, well then, why did the author give him a scarf? Because fedoras weren't a thing yet. I've never worked this out. Fedoras are always a thing. Well, they weren't. Hashtag uh, bring back the fedora. (laughs) Save the fedora. Redeem the fedora. (laughs) Not just creeps anymore. I love a good fedora. (laughs) Fedoras are nice. They used to be nice. I I can't pull one off now, of course. Um, It's different for anyone that's not a 
white male in his 30s. I Again, I like this sequence, particularly because we get Dan showing up for the date with Serena and the look he gives her. This is some great acting from Penn Badgley of looking at her and just being like, oh my God, she is gorgeous. That is perfect 17-year-old boy look of just being completely stunned of this person wants to go out with me. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. She's also literally like above him. Yeah. And in like a gold sequin top that's shining with like. Yeah. 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 There's a a bunch of stuff going on. She is literally above him. Yes. She's so high above him. Did that ever get done in this show? I'm sure it did. Oh, like the, the song that we probably can't play. Yeah. We definitely can't play it. I was going to try and go there. I wasn't sure I could get it. I'm glad you did. No, I can't. Fuck no. I can't hit that note. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's cl- that's closer than me. So I, I would like to talk about this date because it's not a particularly long date um, before it gets interrupted. So that's probably a bit quicker to talk about than rather than jumping between the scenes. It was going to the gig. Uh, it turns out that they're walking there, which is is great. Um, I'm sure Serena has shoes yeah. that are made for walking. That's definitely so something rustic. that you can do. Yeah, so, so rustic. rustic. Yeah. And they show up super yeah. early to the point that um, Rufus is only just arriving. And they're still, they don't have a roadie, so they've got to do it all themselves. And Dan introduces her to Rufus. And he's just like, oh, yeah, Serena Vanderwoodson, I know a lot about you because of the things Dan has said. It's like, yep, that's not creepy. Uh, And we get a cute little exchange between them of um, that she's meeting his dad on the first date. And it's like, oh, it is a date. Okay, cool. Interesting. Uh, And Rufus is probably better at this than his son. So, I'm a little overdressed, aren't I? Honestly, I don't really have a problem with your appearance. Hey, come on, I want you to meet one of the uh, guys in the band. Oh, so you're a groupie? Well, not quite. Serena, I'd like you to meet Rufus Humphrey, Dad. This is Serena. Serena Vander Woodson. (laughs) Oh, uh, I don't know how I know that. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. You guys are a little early. It's going to be a while before we take the stage. Yeah, I, I may have slightly over-budgeted for travel time. Hey. I should go tune that. Excuse me. Enjoy the show, son. Talk to you later. Yeah, see you. So you took me to meet your dad on the first date? So this, this is a date? Oh. I shouldn't have worn my loafers then. <laughs> Dress down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, name one 17-year-old that really is, like, a competent data. Well, D- Dan well, maybe actually... I'm... Actually, you know what? I have a very... I, was gonna, <laughs> I probably can't comment on this topic, actually. I Dan, Well, here's the thing, of course, because they're written by adults. Um, so writing them awkwardly is actually a good, good sign because it is a true experience because when we see them a little bit later, um, they go and have some food before the show starts. Dan's actually got a bit of game. He's, um, he's doing banter. He's doing it. All right. He's got the bands going with Serena. And I, this is the point I was talking about earlier that Dan and Serena together here, they look like a young adult couple out on a date. They look like they're in their twenties because they are, but 
Yeah, I believe them as as going on a date, which is really interesting because Penn Badgley and Blake Lively were dating at this point. So that would explain it. They had true chemistry. Yeah. But this is kind of my point about Serena in general, that she, through this, particularly this scene, she feels like an adult on a date. That she is an adult. She's seen some shit. She's gone through stuff. She's got her dark past and she's realized none of this little teen bullshit matters. I am now an adult. And she's making decisions. She's taking responsibility. Whereas Blair, Blair is acting like she thinks an adult acts. That she's acting like, oh, adults have sex and wear lingerie and they go to their boyfriend's houses. And she's not because she is still a child and she is responding like a child. Because she doesn't feel that responsibility and that maturity yet. And I feel that that's the difference yeah. between Blair and Serena for the most part. The early episodes. I'll agree for early episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for I... early episodes. Yeah, for sure. I feel that's just a dynamic I get. I was going to say that, like, Blair's almost made out to be a bit of the villain a little bit in this episode as well because, like you said, Serena's the one that comes in being super friendly. Serena's the one that wants to mend the bridges. Serena's the one that does this and Blair's the one who's being very immature and being very much like, meh, meh. Yeah. You've hurt my feelings. Yeah. How dare um, you? And I think as well Blair. Blair knows, even though Blair doesn't know what happened, I th- I get the feeling that Blair knows there's something between Nate and Serena and probably has been for many years. Yeah. Like there's, you know, uh, been something, but... There's a yeah, spark. I definitely think Blair is kind of being being coined as the kind of, yeah, the girl villain, which kind of makes sense. If they're playing Jack to be the villain, you know, it makes for interesting dynamics later on. Hashtag spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I feel that she's definitely being set up as an antagonist, um, if not a, a full-out villain. She's definitely somebody who gets in the way of the, the yeah. hero plot of um, apparently Dan. Yeah which doesn't make any sense because she hasn't interacted with Dan at all. She gets in the way of Serena's hero plot, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, the thing getting in the way of uh, Serena's plot right now is the fact that Dan keeps getting messages from Jenny. Um, and this is where jumping around all over the episode doesn't work as well because she's getting emer- he's getting emergency messages, which is exactly what she said when, when he, she asked him to come help with dresses earlier in the episode, but she's also saying Chuck's being a problem. And as soon as Serena hears that, she's like, no, we're going now. We're going to go save Raggedy McCurchum waffles because of reasons, (laughs) because she knows exactly what Chuck is like. And yeah, yeah, it becomes a rescue mission to, for this, because we have seen them so far at the party um, with, with Chuck spotting Jenny and just kind of stalking her across the dance floor. Because uh, there's the dance floor, of course. And he starts the, I guess, the seduction of coming over to her. And she does seem to respond of the, oh my God, a popular rich boy is talking to me. Uh, which, yeah, she's 15. Why would she not respond that way? Yeah. Um, but he starts to lure her a little bit more. Let's go somewhere private. Let's, um, have some champagne. Let's take these things to the next level that she is very clearly not comfortable with. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just to to talk in inverted commas. Um, and when he realizes she's not into it, he just kind of tries to disarm it a little bit, but continues pushing, of course. And that's when she starts texting Dan, which, you know what? Good on you. Yeah. Good on you, Jenny. You've got someone that you can rely on to be like, hey, come rescue me and not afraid to actually do it, which is more than a lot of teenagers can say. So well done show for showing how to deal with a problem in one fashion. Yeah. 100%. And if anyone who, again, before the, exists before the year of flip phones, uh, because it's pretty hard to blindly text on like a smartphone now, but what we used to do is had numbers. And so like, you know, you press two once for A, twice for B. And once you did that enough, you could do that blind and write whole messages. Yeah. It's amazing. Without looking at your screen. It was amazing. And you only really had to check this. It's like, it's touch typing. It was amazing. Yeah. You can't do it on a smartphone. No. No, it's a lost art. I mean, are they then really smartphones? They're not. It is a lost art. So that means Serena and Dan show up at the party. Um, And, of course, Gossip Girl then starts, like, telling everyone that Serena is there. So Dan can get fucked. Um, Why why did you do that, Dan? (laughs) That was stupid. Maybe if you wanted to travel incognito, don't tell everyone that. No, no, let's work this out. Let's think this through. Maybe, because we spoke about pages earlier. Yep. Maybe Dan has like a forwarding service so that like a a tip comes in and just gets straight blasted out and he doesn't filter it. Like maybe these are just like, was Twitter around by this stage? Surely. No, No, stop it. Twitter wasn't around in 2007? 2008, I want to say Twitter kicked off. It was nearly. Well, anyway, maybe. So maybe it's not Dan's fault. That that is. That is possible. Maybe it was more like, "Hey, if you see someone, send to this, and it'll just post out." Because every as everyone arrives, maybe maybe it has a as a automatic function. Maybe his like GoDaddy hosting just blasted it out, or his AOL hosting. Yeah, maybe. Or what other? What other tech names that are out? That are, yeah, Angel yeah, yeah, Fire. Thank you. That's uh, tripod. Was it thing? Was there a tripod? Oh yeah, tripod. Have, uh... Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Are we sure we just don't want to change this podcast to nineties from nostalgia? <laughs> yeah, early two thousand nostalgia. Yeah, it might be. It's getting that way. We'll start talking about um, we'll start talking about D and D three point five edition and and what exactly the the feat system is. Oh no. Very specific D and D and TV. <laughs> How Blair's response to Maybe. seeing Serena there just—it has to be heard to be believed. It's wonderful. What is she doing here? She wasn't invited. Why is she here? She wasn't invited. It's like, how dare you break the rules of invitation? But then it's okay because she had an invitation. That's uh, that Jenny gave her one. Do they acknowledge? I can't remember. Did they acknowledge that? Was that kind of like, oh well? I think it's it's addressed. Like, was there later someone on. actually collecting invitations? Oh yeah, oh, definitely, okay. definitely. That's that the only reason sense. she can get in because, like, this invitation thing is a—it's not just a—it's actually a plot point. It's not just this random drama between them all. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why Jenny's able, to, uh, Serena's able to get in. Um, and as they, well, Blair goes right. I'm going to go and confront her. 
Um, and Nate's just like, let's, let's, let's just chill. Let's maybe not make a big scene because that would be worse. It's like, well done, Nate, on uh, reading the room. Um, <laughs> and, well, we cut to Chuck following up his assault of Serena with an assault on Jenny. Um, this is becoming a, a trend, uh-huh. uh, Chuck. This is not great for your... Well, as you said, he needs to be redeemed from something. And this is what what his uh, yeah. sins are. Starting in a pretty deep hole. Pretty yeah. deep hole. Yeah. Uh, but the scarf comes in handy because uh, when they're looking for him, they find his scarf lying in a hallway. And it's like, oh, Chuck's been here. We know his spoor. We know this is making a great survival check. <laughs> and tracking the... Um, the Upper East, chattering <laughs> through the Upper East Side, the the debutante, I don't know, I'm just making words up now, <laughs> making up phrases. Sure. They go find Chuck. Great. Wonderful. A roof, no less. <laughs> On a roof. Yeah, which is great. Uh, and Dan does something that Dan's going to do probably a few times more. Every time someone touches Jenny, he gets all like, get the hell off my sister, um, which is a little bit troubling, honestly. But what I love is that Chuck doesn't recognize him. Yeah. It's the running joke. Yeah. It's like, he even, he says his name. He's like, I'm her brother. I'm Dan Humphrey. I'm going to punch you in the face. And he punches him in the face. And it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's not quite as good as the OC pilot. Cause I will compare this show to the OC a lot because the OC is a superior show, uh, but it was done by the time. So this one could hold the crown for post OC for a little while. When, um, <laughs> with the, with Luke punching, uh, Ryan and just being like, welcome to the OC bitch and walking off. It's like, that's, that's a better first punch or first episode punch. That's a good pilot punch. This is, this has got the same yeah. energy, but it's Dan Humphrey and he's just, he doesn't have that same, same feel to it. Yeah. It's like punching doesn't feel natural for, for Dan Humphrey. Oh, and the fact that he flinches immediately as well. Like, he's not cool about it. Yeah. He, like, punches him and then, like, immediately, uh, you know. And then Serena has a go, though, as well. She gets amongst it. She gets up yeah. in his face. Bit of a shove. Yeah. And um, Chuck's all like, well, your life's over. I'm just going to reveal everything about you because I know all your secrets. I know that you and Nate hooked up. Well, he doesn't say that, but he's obviously implying it. It's implied. It's implied. I implied. uh, Going back to Gossip Gaze, because this is one of my favorite, this is honestly my favorite moment of that little weird video drama that they made so many years ago, is that as they're all fleeing and Chuck's on the roof, because in this world, he's a vampire, of course, which works really well with Monster Hearts, bringing it all the way back to the beginning of the episode. Chuck as the vampire is really cool. Great. He's sitting there with like clutching his balls. He's like clutching his face. He's like, curses foiled again. It's like, how many times do you do this, Vampire Chuck? Do you just like drag people up here? And it always happens every time you try to eat a a fifteen year old girl, like destroy, like rip her neck open. Someone comes on. He's like, no, not again. Those scarves, those damned scarves. It's always the scarf. That's why he wears the scarf to hide the the bite marks. See, that checks out. Yeah, that checks out the closest argument i've had so far as to why he wears scarves <laughs> that's okay we've got one then because chuck's a vampire yeah evidently S- evidently yeah uh so anyway they leave 
Um, and we do get the shock, shot of Blair and Chuck standing together, which does kind of put more evidence to our theory that they're getting paired up as the antagonist duo for our heroes and Nate apparently is also there um (laughs) actually that works really well we've got Dan and Serena who are the heroes we've got Blair and Chuck who are the antagonists also Nate (laughs) because he is incredibly forgettable (laughs) and Nate and poor Nate just trying to find himself single syllable and it does end with um them in a cab driving back home, Jenny looking a bit a bit upset that she's just been assaulted. Um, and Serena just kind of gazing out the window like she was on the train on the way in. So it's a nice big full circle. Oh, it's not a visual medium. I was drawing a circle with my hand. It is not a visual medium. <laughs> it's all right. You'll get used to the podcasting oh, format before long. Yeah. So, okay. I can't play that okay. song either. Or I'll break it. Yeah. So that is the first episode of Gossip Girl, the pilot. Um, Now, the last thing, don't worry, we're nearly over. Um, Thank you so much for sticking around for so long. Editing as this is going to be really fun because we are currently at two hours uh, of recording. (laughs) Making this definitely, definitely the longest episode of a Dyson DM to date. And we still have more to go because at the end of every episode. Of what show, sorry? Of what show? Of D&D and TV, not of Dyson DMs. <laughs> that was my old podcast, which okay, everyone... Yeah, yeah. Shows how long I was doing that one. At the end of You're each welcome. episode of D&D and TV, we pick a character from the show that we just watched. We can only pick one per series. So once we pick this one, it's done for the rest of the, the episodes we're doing that we would make into a player character or an NPC in one of our games. And that can be a fantasy world. It can be a sci-fi world, cyberpunk world, just one of the characters we're really interested in and would like to see more often or we'd like to play. Uh, and I'll go first to give, since Meek is the guest and may not have prepared mm-hmm. as much. Uh, so I will give you an example of who I'm choosing. And I feel I'm probably choosing this character too early because they are one of my favorites. Because I have chosen Rufus Humphrey. Simply because... Okay. Which, you know, interesting choice. Not going with one of the, the main characters. Um, although I think yeah. in this, this episode we've only been introduced to main characters. Rufus Humphrey is my choice. Partly because I like Matthew Settle. And I think he's a great actor. Um, Mm -hmm. But I like that idea of the older, washed-up bard or rogue, the guy who's a little bit dingy, um, he's got a bit of a past, but he's still doing the things that he feels are special. Bard in particular, because he's that Mm -hmm. rock bard. He's that guy that plays the shitty clubs. He's the one that's always doing the art. He does it for the art. He doesn't do it for the money. And that feels like an adventurer to me. That's someone who goes out and is like, yeah, I'm just a guy with a loot, but I'll go into that dragon's lair with you because it's going to be an adventure. It'll be a story. And then I'll make another song about it. And then I'll tell other people about it. And I like that as well. But also the fact that he's getting older, that he has had to make these compromises about he's got kids now. Like he can't always go out adventuring. Sometimes he's got to take the safe gig. Sometimes he's got to... Make the hard choice and give up what he believes in, and so his kids are in a better spot. And that's very much what Rufus Humphrey's doing. And yeah, but he can't let that past go. 
because he's still drawing on it for, he still wants the world to be like it was when he was younger. And the fact that we get Lily in this episode as well, one of the things in Monster Hearts, because I will keep bringing it back to that, is that when characters have something over you, it's called a string. And when you need to get advantage, when you need them to just do what you need to do, you pull on that string. And Lily has strings on him because she knows what he was like when he was younger. So you already have all these connections with this character that just, I feel he'd be a really interesting character to play, that you would have to make a lot of choices um, just in a general D&D session, any sort of RPG session, because he would have to make that choice of, am I going out and doing this adventure? What will happen to my kids? Is this going to be the best choice for them or is it for me? And no matter which one he makes, that's the choice. The fact that he has a choice in the first place makes him really interesting to me. Don't feel you have to go into that much depth. Um, I have obviously thought about Rufus a little bit too much. (laughs) I definitely can't. Uh, I love that, though. It's beautiful. And I can only wish I could be so eloquent. Um... Oh, I really like that, man. I look. My heart says I just want to say Blair because I just I I am Team B forever. Mm-hmm. And I actually I have thought about this, but I actually don't even know what class. I feel like she could fit depending on how you wanted to play her and where she could fit into so many different things. Like I kind of almost like her as a paladin because once you are in her side and are on her team, like she will do everything to like she will you know cut anyone. Do remember like, that you, you don't get to pick this character again in a later episode. So if you pick Blair now, you don't get to choose her later on. Is there a better Blair episode coming up that you want to talk about her then? I mean, there's like a, every episode is a Blair episode. Yeah, that's good. What be about fun. if I, okay, what about if I chose B this episode, but then I chose Queen B next episode, and then I chose Blair Waldorf? And then I chose Miss Waldorf. Do you see what I'm doing here? See I see what you're doing I'm there. I see, I see you're trying to find a loophole. I'm not sure how well it's going to go. Um, how about we just assume that every episode you're going to pick Blair? So you can talk about Blair if you really have Great. to, but you can also pick someone else if someone else has stood out. Because there are, there are okay. going to be episodes where it's like four characters and that's all we get. So if we've already picked those four, yeah. maybe not. Okay. Have yeah, you read can, the Monster Hearts rule book? I have read some of it, and that is okay. truth, but I have not read all of it. Okay. Then. But I have read some. Well, I was kind of thinking, because in this episode, I think what I liked about when I was like thinking about how I would use that character in D&D, I was actually trying to be honest, thinking about her less as a playable character so I said, it's kind of hard for me to nail down a class for it, but more as like a NPC, like I said, that NPC that you give people who they instantly think is the bad guy, right? Because they're presenting in the like dark, shady code in the shady alley. But actually, once you get to know them and you actually do something, you realize actually they're pretty nice and there's there's like nothing actually to them. They're actually going to help you, but you've got to get through that. Like I love giving those NPCs, like all the, all the complete opposite, right? Of like giving a PC who's super friendly and helpful and finding out they're the ones that are going to, you know, stabby in the back but yeah. i feel like giving them someone who's a bit more standoffish at the start and then comes around and helps them surprisingly is a bit nicer it feels a bit i don't know maybe it's just my players they don't trust anyone i give them that's friendly anyway so no i love that idea yeah
So using Blair as like the she comes across in the dark colours and everything's black because she only wears black this episode as well. Mm. Or like even in her school uniform, she's later on in future episodes, Blair is actually super colourful and like whether that's just a pilot thing or whether that was a deliberate choice. Could be both. I don't know. Could be a deliberate choice for the pilot, yeah. which they then went back on rather than Yeah, it's easy mm. coding. And I, I, I do love that idea yeah. because players automatically distrust whoever the, the game master throws in front of them. And I feel oh. that when you have a cat, well, Blair is, as much as I was saying before that she acts like a child, she does have some very set beliefs and she doesn't take anybody's shit apart from her mother's. Mm. Um, that we were, <laughs> I was legitimately worried she was going to kill Nate, like right there. And she was just going to kill him and finish her sushi because fuck that guy uh, yeah. for hurting her. Yeah. And, when a party can get the that character, that person who only sees people, who only deals with people they respect, when the party can get that person to go, yeah, you're all right. So that's mm. that's a huge achievement for them. Yeah, is this, is this critical role spoilers? But like in campaign two, Essex a little bit, like same idea. Yeah. Like he was, although he was kind of intended to be, from all it sounds like, all intents and purposes, meant to be a bad guy that they just adopted, but. So you know, kind of like give them these characters. That... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Brought it back to Layered. D&D. Much less. Well, there's the, <laughs> the skin in um, the skin in Monster Hearts of the Queen, which can be an alien queen. It can just be the gossip queen, just whoever's the head of the hive. And that is Blair to a T. Oh, yeah, for sure. That I think 100%. of it. Yeah. Well, that is our episode for this week. Thank you so much for for enduring it with us. You didn't endure it. You loved it. Or you you know you love us. XOXO, as Gossip Girl would say. Oh, my God, please. Is that how you're going to sign off every episode? I'm here for it. God, no. Oh, I guess I could. All right. We'll see. I mean, I do have have my own little catchphrases we'll use, but we'll see how we go. Meek, if people would like to find you online... Um, you do have a number of, of places that they could go, uh, things that you want to promote. If you want to uh, absolutely come and thank me for just the absolute masterpiece that is ruining Jeremy's beautiful podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, please, at blushing underscore bard. Um, yeah, it's it's bardy. It's, I'm pretty much just realizing that I just, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Good promo. <laughs> Solid promo at blushing underscore bard. Just go have a look and I'm sure you will find something to, to you'll find something enjoyable. Um, It'll make, always... Actually, you know what? This podcast will make a lot more sense if you go and check out the anarchy that is the stuff that I post on there. That is it's true. It's aesthetic, but it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. No, Meek always has amazing content, which is one of the reasons I asked you to come on the show. Uh, if you do want to commiserate with me, uh, you can send me an email um, or come on Instagram or Twitter. The 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 username is at dndntvpod um, or the same for email. It's just at gmail.com on the end of it. What the hell else do I say? Oh, that's right. Uh, if you would like to subscribe, please do. Uh, it's a great way to get the episodes. We've got another 17 episodes of Gossip Girl to get through. Uh, there may be a short break in the middle for me to regain my sanity, 
But for the most part, we are going to be watching every single one. So join us next week for episode two, The Wild Brunch. Oh, yes, we're already on to brunch. Brunch in New York. Where can you go on? If there's not bagels and mimosas, I'm going to be pissed. Um, so that one's going to be a really good episode. So you can you can subscribe on anywhere podcasts are found. And we would really appreciate reviews uh, if you're able to do them. Uh, as I said, you can just send them to the email address. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Be kind to yourselves. Stay safe. And may all your hits be crits. <laughs>